Hello and welcome to the Five Banner Banter Podcast, the uh, 2023 Indiana Daily Student Men's Basketball Podcast. I am your host, Evan Gerke, joined alongside my co-beat reporters. You guys want to introduce yourselves? Hello, I'm Emma Pollitz. And I am Bradley Hohulin. So this is really our second filmed episode. This will be the first published episode. Um, we had a little snafu last semester and with schedules and stuff, we're just kind of getting back into the the podcasting bit. But it's never too late to be the only Indiana men's basketball podcast out there. Um, but we do still have about half the season to cover. Uh, Indiana's 13-6. and six. They just got back to 500 in the Big Ten. And they're sitting just outside the top 25 in, in the latest AP poll release. They were pretty much 27th. They were the second team receiving votes. Um, anyone want to do a quick, quick recap of... Indiana's entire 2022-23 season so far? Yeah, I think it's uh, pretty simple. Um, they played, I think it was Bethune-Cookman, or maybe Moorhead State. Uh, Barstool IU tweeted out, this is the most talented roster in the nation, top to bottom. Uh, and then Indiana got clapped by Rutgers, got clapped by Arizona, got clapped by Kansas, got clapped by... Iowa Northwestern? Yep, yep. Um, Penn State. Penn State, for sure. Clap got Penn State, yeah. <laughs> uh, but... I don't think I'm wrong in saying that the vibes were historically low like 10 days ago, and now they're doing pretty well. I don't know about historically. This used to be Fair. a pretty bad no, team that's around true. the that's early true. 2000s. but In the Woodson era, pretty low. But I, I mean, that's a pretty good representation of, of what we witnessed so far. Is At one point, obviously, this team was ranked really highly, and they beat UNC at home a week after UNC was number one in the country. Uh, since then, UNC has certainly been a basketball team, more or less. Um, and now their best win is over Xavier, who's a top 10 team in the country. Were they still in the top 10 in the rankings? Not sure if they are this They week. were number eight, as as high as number eight. And I don't think they lost, so... Gotta respect the 5 They did three. actually lose. Oh, um, dang, they did lose. Let's see. They are 13th now. Okay, but still. That's that's pretty much their best win at the moment. Right. At the um, Cintas Center. The yes. lovely Cintas Center. Yes. Love the Cintas Center. <laughs> you guys get to visit the Cintas Center. I, d I did not. Yeah. You didn't have the joy of going through the labyrinth that was the Cintas Center. <laughs> no. Said so I just went through the labyrinth that is Las Vegas. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. We don't need to talk about that too much. <laughs> we did that on the Scrap Podcast and no one will ever get to hear. <laughs> What, that was no, that was pre Vegas, wasn't it? Right, we were talking about what we were looking forward to on that trip. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Little did we know that was right after the Rutgers loss, though. Right, yeah, yeah. Right. pre Nebraska win, yeah. pre 24 ounce chelada walking down the strip. <laughs> yep, tomato beer for those wondering. Um, <laughs> but so season so far, let let's kind of focus in more on the Big Ten season. As it is, um, we're not going to do takeaways from the Bethune-Cookman victory because that's pointless. Um, also, at this point, I don't think we need to do takeaways on Arizona and Kansas. I think that's been done to death. So let's talk about specifically the last six games. Uh, Indiana lost three straight, uh, one-point loss to Iowa when they went out to that large uh, early first-half lead and ended up blowing it. Uh, the one-point loss to Northwestern, that really was probably about a 10-point game until the last minute, and then Trey Galloway hit the buzzer beating half court heave to make it a one point game and then the blowout loss to penn state um which is by far the worst loss of the season they looked um like they didn't belong on a basketball court um except maybe at like the bill garrett field house um no need to be too generous okay fair <laughs> um 
and then they won three straight. Obviously, they're now on a three-game winning streak with a substantial win over Wisconsin, a, a road win at Illinois, and then that win at uh, Mich- or against Michigan State just a couple days ago. Which team so far do we think is the real Indiana? Well, I honestly think it's the most recent three-game Indiana team, and part of that, again, I hate saying this because it's not a valid excuse for everything that's happened, but the injuries that occurred to Xavier Johnson um, at the Kansas game, he's been out for a good while now, and then Race Thompson at Iowa. Um, Woodson said this yesterday in the post-game press conference, that was a shell shock to everyone, you know, being on the court when your oldest player goes down, um, having sustained so many injuries in the past too, like it's just got to throw you off so much. Um, And then I think the next two games after that collapse at Iowa, I think they were just in a horrible spot mentally, if I'm being honest. And I I'm not sure what Woodson told them after Penn State, but it definitely had a positive effect. I think all they needed was that reassuring win against Wisconsin. It helped being at home, but beating the number 18 team in the country, I think they figured out, like, okay, we can do this. Our season isn't falling apart. Um, And then they got back into it, obviously. And then also Trace Jackson Davis seems to be – um, doing a lot better. He's been injured the entire year from like hand problems to back issues, but he said he's nearing 90% um, in terms of effort. And it's definitely very obvious to tell that he does not seem phased by whatever's going on physically. So yeah, I think that things are trending in a good direction right now. Yeah. To sort of color in what Emma was talking about, I'm inclined to think that the most recent iteration is more in line with what quote-unquote Indiana basketball actually is. Something worth noting, Indiana's won its last three games by an average of just over 15 points. Those three losses before, obviously ugly for various reasons, those were lost by an average of seven points. You know, obviously, That includes the, the blowout of yeah, Penn State. losing by 19 to Penn State, in which you allow, I think, a program record in three-pointers. Yeah, casual 54 points. Don't uh, number check me. I'm not a math major. Um, but yeah, like clearly... Defense was not there. You get within, I think it was two points of Iowa, because that was 91 to 89, and then a generous one point of Northwestern. But those are games that a couple possessions go a different way. Um, You don't give up 16 turnovers or whatever. There were some errors there that seemed correctable, that they might now be on a good path, but it almost feels a little, I think if you're a fan, almost a little too good to be true because you're missing two of your original starters, and yet it seems like you're rounding into midseason form. So I think the next stretch of games will be really telling. Yeah, and and Woodson mentioned, and I think it was the um, Northwestern loss in the post game press conference about like someone asked him about you know where what's wrong with the team, and he mentioned the injuries, and people got really offended at that of like how dare you blame your team's poor performance on players that aren't there, but when you lose two guys like that, like those are vocal presences on the court. Those are guys have, who have done it before. Race had started, I think, 76 straight games before he went out with that injury. Like, that's a lot to handle um, for for a team who, outside of that, is pretty young. Obviously, uh, Miller Cobb is a, I think, senior plus with that redshirt year, but uh, has only been at Indiana for two years. Trace is kind of a leader, but he's not playing at full strength. Um, then you've got Tamar Bates, Trey Galloway, Jordan Geronimo as the guys who are filling in that lineup, Malik Renew. Like, it's not 
the same team without those two. And they needed to learn how to play with those guys. And now we're starting to see that kind of pay off. Um, but he, I mean, it was, it was true. Like you lose guys like that. It's not easy to bounce back, especially in, in the next game. And they almost did it against Northwestern. They finally started to get it going in the second half. Um, Penn state was, you know, an anomaly. And I don't know if, um, even a health, healthy race and X really turned that game around, but, um, they, they're figuring something out and it's it's really started with the intensity and the effort um especially on the defensive end that we saw a lot against michigan state where guys were diving for loose balls in ways that we haven't seen in in weeks yeah i think with the whole injury thing i think the only person on indiana whose production that you you can't replicate at all is trace jackson davis xavier johnson and race thompson have backups and those backups have come into their own during this stretch you know if you lose an all-american which he was out trace was out for those kind of iffy games over christmas break just kind of ugly performance load management kennesaw state yeah (laughs) but it was definitely an emotional thing losing two super seniors two leaders um, and like you said, Evan, the vocal presence, I think just in terms of leadership and kind of everyone thinking like, okay, what are we going to do now? Like we have to figure out a way to make this up without them. Um, once they figured that out, which a few of the players said that yesterday, they were like, we're finally learning how to play with a group that we have. I think that is definitely a good sign. And I know, um, like Jalen Hutchfino has been playing really well, and he he's a lot of the scoring side of it and the the playing style side of it. He's kind of started to really fill in uh, Xavier Johnson's shoes, but he is a freshman. He's not he doesn't have that vocal authority that I, don't, I think Xavier Johnson has. Who which he talked about that a lot um, at Big Time Media Days about how, or I think it was just IU's Media Day about how he's learning to be become a vocal leader. Um, and, and you saw that with his absence, how the team kind of was a little bit shell shocked. Um, needing some of that, and, and Hutchifino's playing well enough to fill in that hole, but he's not leading well enough, and that's he's a freshman. That's understandable, but he, he is really starting to come into, into his own too, um, and ideally you get Xavier Johnson back, and then those two playing together in kind of a developed leadership role is, is something that you can look forward to down the line as you get close to March. Yeah, Hutchifino's emergence as I think it's fair to say a clear number two on the team behind Trace. Now, granted, he scored two points yesterday against Michigan Wasn't State. Wasn't his best. Wasn't Not his best, best but he's a freshman. Like, that's, I think, part of it. No matter how, unless you are the generational prospect, you're going to have those lapses where you're just not 100%. But Especially in the Big Ten. Especially in the Big Ten, yeah. Things move a little bit faster. Bodies are a little bit bigger. Um, but not going to lie, it's been extremely impressive. Evan, you chronicled this in the piece you published, I think, just yesterday. But at the start of the season, he looked amazing. And then he really seemed to show his youth there early on, uh, you know, against like Kansas and Arizona and in some of the Big Ten stretch. So then it's nice to see him start to put it together and really emerge as this amazing prospect that Indiana hoped he would be and now full on needs him to be with X on the sidelines. So we've obviously seen Indiana playing much better over the last week and a half. Um this week is one of their easier weeks on the schedule with Minnesota and Ohio State. Is the level of performance we've seen from Indiana sustainable? Can we can Trace always score thirty points and and you know 
play the way he is the rest of the season. Obviously, Big Ten Player of the Week, Naismith Player of the Week, ESPN Player of the Week, and what was the fourth one? Um, what was it? Oh, was it I think the was Wooden? He, was he the Nickelodeon, the MVP? <laughs> <laughs> Could have been. Um, Big Ten, NCAA, ESPN. Yes, NCAA is one. I forgot the March Madness Mystery. Player of the Week. Yeah. So can can he keep doing that? And can Indiana win if maybe he doesn't have as good of a game? Obviously, 17 from Galloway and Bates yesterday. But Illinois, it was really Trace Jackson Davis said, okay, I've got this and didn't need anyone else. Um, is the way Indiana's playing sustainable? I think that in terms of Trace Jackson Davis, I would not be surprised if he recorded a double-double or near-double-double every single game down the stretch this year. You know, you talk about people like Oscar Shibway, Armando Baycott as double-double machines. I think seeing what Trace Jackson Davis has done in the past six games especially is it's not normal like this it shouldn't be normal to have 30 point double doubles but he's been doing that for so long um just this calendar year now and I think that he can keep doing that like if you look at the ways that he's scoring it looks easy and he missed I think maybe 10 shots yesterday almost every single one of those shots just rimmed out of the hoop so he still scored 31 points missing a lot of shots and that's no knock on him it it was really kind of odd seeing how all of those shots yesterday were just barely missing but I don't think that he's he's just not putting in too much effort scoring this easily like it just he makes it look so easy so I think yes and he's always going to have that defensive presence too um, very close to breaking the block record at Indiana and rebounding. He's always going to be Indiana's most athletic rebounder. Additionally, he's third on the team in assists per game. He's got 3.5, yeah. and I think that yeah. number is even higher in Big Ten play. He's averaging a double-double now. He's averaging 10 rebounds a game uh, and 19.4 points. And I think that number is going to keep climbing up until he's at least at 20 and 10. Uh, free throw shooting percentage, 72%. I mean, these are... They're all career-high numbers, everything yeah, you just said. It, they're insane numbers. And, yeah. and what he's doing right now and what we're seeing out of him um, is so crazy that even if he regresses back to literally 20 and 10 a game, that's going to help Indiana win a lot of games, especially if teams are like, oh, we've got to stop tracing Jackson Davis. And you're not always going to shoot like you did against Michigan State, but shoot close to that and you're in a really good place i will say also i think that he is in 2023 he's been at his best physical form and if you look at indiana's three losses he has still had incredible games and the problem in those losses was either a lack of execution defensively especially at penn state but um just more in terms of getting Indiana to play as a team unit, that was the biggest issue. It's not Trey Jackson Davis's fault that they lost those games. He had 24 rebounds against Northwestern. Like, he's still putting up insane statistics, and now that the Hoosiers have really meshed with the unit that they have, it's just looking even more dangerous every game. Yeah, I think... To answer the question of is this sustainable, I would say, well, of course it's not, right? Like, you can't just rely on 
one player to put up 30 points or a double-double and then just hope that one of your rotational guys is going to come through. That being said, if you were faced with that task, there might not be another player in the country who you'd want to, you know, put who on whose shoulders you'd want to put place Zach that Yeah, oh, sure, man. He has Go been doing it. that for Purdue all season. That is fair. That is fair. But, you know, I'm just saying, like, Indiana has been put in this position. They seem to have one of the better players in the nation to handle it. And even though we usually don't see one guy carry a team all that far, we also usually don't see the three, four, five, six game stretch that Trace has been having. So it's not something I'd feel super comfortable about as a fan. But in the meantime, like, why not just enjoy the ride, especially if you think you're getting race and maybe X back down the stretch. The yeah. thing that is really encouraging to me is the assists. Like, we've seen him push the ball up the floor, grab a rebound, take it up himself, initiate the offense. Like, there is no other all-American big that can do that. And that is just really encouraging from a team perspective, even if he's not having a great game offensively he's still trying to get people involved and he's gotten really good at finding open shooters when he's double teamed in the post Mm -hmm. so on the returns of some of these injured players specifically race thompson uh brace thompson if if you will thank you emma you're welcome um (laughs) he returned against michigan state he only played four minutes uh three in the first half one in the second obviously not maybe fully there but He's he's back. He's something that teams have to worry about. My kind of question on that, is he going to return to the starting lineup or is he going to start playing off the bench when you've got Jordan Geronimo playing at a higher level and you've got an added amount of athleticism? Where do we see this team going um, in terms of starting lineups, in terms of what they do around Race Thompson? And the answer may be depending on how much how healthy you think Race is and how much he can play. I think Race Thompson off the bench is a very interesting prospect because you don't really think of someone like Race Thompson, especially in comparison to Jordan Geronimo, as someone who brings a lot of energy and a spark whenever the Hoosiers need it. He's very, you know, he's he's the glue guy. He holds everything together. He does what needs to be done, but you don't see him making, you know, insanely athletic blocks or like transition dunks like Jordan Geronimo so often has but I think that he's a he's still a good option off the bench like he obviously didn't look back to his normal self the other day but he looked fine like there was there was nothing discouraging about it in my opinion so I think he's his minutes are probably going to increase probably still in the single digit realm for a while coming off the bench but it very well could be that by the time the Big Ten tournament rolls around, you might see him back in the starting lineup, depending on how he progresses. And this has all been been very encouraging. And I think it was a surprise to everyone seeing him out yesterday because when he went down at Iowa, everyone thought that it was detrimental to his career. Like, it looked really bad. So it it was good to see him back out there. Yeah, it is good to see him back. And a quick look at his averages. Um Eight points, six rebounds, a little over a block a game, um, which is kind of like it, it's a good, you know, good level of performance. It's not gonna, he's not going to be a star player very often. Part we we talked. Um, I don't even know if it was on our original podcast or just kind of in general games. We talked a little bit about the prospect of sitting race and kind of going for a more athletic lineup with Trace at the five and maybe Geronimo at the four. Um, 
I wonder if part of it was Woodson not wanting to bench him after 76 straight starts. Um, that's kind of a crazy number to snap out of like a demotion for a senior leader. And now that he doesn't have that streak, is that going to change the math a little bit? You raise an interesting point. I think IU viewers, fans, whatever, could talk at length about who maybe should or should not be a part of the starting lineup, but has long been. That is not me passing judgment on anyone. I'm just saying these are conversations people have. Um, with regards to race, even though he he had a rough start to the season, genuinely. Um, once he once he got the headband on, he started performing at a pretty high level. We saw some flashes of shooting. He was always, you know, a defensive stalwart. But now I think, given that things are kind of gelling together, if I'm Mike Woodson, I'm sort of feeling like, well, why chance it? Why throw a wrench in that? If you've got this unit coming together and finally uh, forming a more cohesive unit, maybe keep race out longer. That said, I think if you believe race is at 80, 90% of his original self, that's still probably better than your typical performance from a Jordan Geronimo or a Malik Renu, who both have very high ceilings, but also occasionally get like three fouls in the span of five minutes. Yeah, I mean, I clearly they don't think race is at even 80% if he played four minutes on... Well, no, Evan, he has a parking boot on his knee. He's not at 100%. (laughs) You hear him coming from a mile away. Thank you, Bradley. Um, One last last little recap thing, and then we'll move on to some quick looking ahead predictions. Was MSU their best win of the season? Uh, At least the best win in in a, a long time, maybe outside of UNC and Xavier. But where do you guys think that ranks as just a team performance? I think that there are three top wins um, distinguished. Well, actually, yeah, I'm going to say three. This is going to be controversial, but I'm going to say for different reasons each time. She's going to say St. Francis, my God. <laughs> the exhibition. That was an exhibition game, Emma. It doesn't count. I'm going to say um, Xavier was a good win to prove that they can win in a rowdy road environment and Xavier looks like a fantastic team now um so that win retrospectively has gotten even better and just in terms of the early season um what Indiana was trying to prove they could do everything worked out well with that win then I think Illinois was arguably the best win in terms Mm -hmm. of recency because they had a very large lead in the first half and they also had a very large lead against Iowa on the road (laughs) and they didn't give that one up at Illinois so I think just being able to I use this phrase all the time but mend that wound and prove to themselves like okay we're not just going to keep surrendering 20 point leads this season on the road especially I think that was um a big mental jump for them. And then Michigan State, in terms of energy, I think I still think that was better than the UNC game. It was an incredible atmosphere. People diving on the floor, making insane defensive plays. We saw Trace Jackson Davis with that poster dunk and stare down. I mean, that just epitomizes the the swagger that Indiana's trying to get back, as Evan wrote the other day after Illinois. But yeah, I'm just going to go out on a limb. I don't think UNC is a top three win for this team. I was thinking the exact same thing. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, like, that's a game, obviously, North Carolina was kind of on the downturn then. That's one thing. But there was just so much juice for Indiana at that time. They hadn't lost. You know that's a big matchup. I honestly think just the way the teams paired up, Indiana 
had an advantage there. Um, I would I would kind of agree. I don't know if Michigan State was their best win, but it did feel like their most complete win. Stifling defense, you were able to mount a comeback, which is not really something Indiana's done. You had great outside shooting from Tamar and Trey, and I think even like Jordan splashed one. Um, and of course, Trace being amazing. You know, personally, I think breaking the road losing streak record against Xavier was fantastic. Obviously, eight as well. Being able to defeat Illinois on the road um, after suffering such a long losing streak in that Wisconsin win, feeling a little bit fluky with them scoring like 12 points or whatever. Um, I know it was like 45. Take it easy. Um, <laughs> but I would agree Michigan State definitely felt like the most complete win and the sort of thing that you want to see more of going forward. Michigan State, I think, was definitely, in terms of this three-game winning streak for Indiana in conference play, I think the Spartans were the most formidable opponent in terms of, you know, Tom Izzo, always a good coach, and then they played hard the entire time. There We had, what, two or three technicals in that game. Wisconsin and Illinois, the effort wasn't there the whole time, but Michigan State didn't really, they never really let up, and I think just getting a win, even though it's at home, you know, crowd on your side, getting a win against a Tom Izzo coach team is never a bad thing. I, yeah, I accept your guys' argument on the UNC game. The only reason I think MSU is better than Illinois as a win, one, I think Michigan State's just a better team and they're better coached. Um, they pretty much, Illinois pretty much said, we're going to challenge Trace to beat us and didn't try to change anything when he was beating them. Um, and road wins are great, and, and that's a big road win. But, I mean, Hood, Shafino, and Geronimo, I think your second and third leading scores, and neither of them scored in the second half. It was Trey scored well over half the points in that second half, and he clearly outmatched Illinois' big, and Illinois didn't do anything to try to stop him. Uh, while MSU, Trace did not have his best game and still put up crazy numbers. They had to come from behind a couple times, which we've seen this team kind of give up when they're behind before, or at least not be able to complete the comeback like they did against Arizona. They they played hard with a lot of energy, and you got contributions from different guys. Uh, 17 from Bates and Galloway. Um, I think Geronimo had close to – no, Geronimo had a few. Malik Renew played his best game in a long time. Um, to me, that was – the whole team came together in a formula that – is more sustainable than the Illinois win because if you have a guy or two step up on top of Trace playing a good game and you get good minutes out of other people besides your starters, those you can win a lot of those games. You cannot win always based on let's feed the ball to Trace Jackson Davis and let him feed. Yeah, the Illinois the Illinois win was definitely um had some coaching controversies. It was a lot about what the Illini did wrong. Um the Jordan rule doesn't really apply to Trace Jackson Davis because he will drop 30 or 40 points if you don't double-team him, so I'm not really sure what Brad Underwood was thinking at all, especially doing that for the entire game. So that is definitely a good point. Um, it, he just kind of made everyone on Illinois look foolish at that point. So Yeah. So moving forward, uh, this week they travel to Minnesota up north. They play one of, if not the worst team in the Big Ten. Um, at the barn, obviously, like we said, road wins are always tough to come by in the Big Ten, so you don't want to overlook this Minnesota team. 
Then they've got Ohio State at home on Saturday. Um, they've been struggling. They were on a five-game skid just a little bit ago, although that included almost knocking off Purdue. Um, and obviously, Purdue is on the horizon for Indiana. No one on the team is going to mention them, but get through this week. And then if Purdue gets through this week, then you've got a number one ranked team guaranteed on your schedule in Purdue when they come to Assembly Hall soon. But let's not get it too ahead of ourselves. Let's focus on uh, this week ahead. At Minnesota Wednesday, home for Ohio State Saturday. What are your thoughts on those those games? What do you where do you guys see Indiana kind of landing there? It's a very favorable split, as you pointed out. You love to get Minnesota on the road and Ohio State at home on a Saturday in prime time. Um, those things are flipped around. That's a very easy game to drop against Ohio State in Columbus. It it's it's scary to say they'd win them both, right? Because that would be a five game Big Ten winning streak, and those just generally don't happen um but you're in a really good spot to do it if you're healthy and the the unit keeps gelling the way it has there yeah exactly so you know obviously the possible outcomes are they go oh and two one and one two and oh good math thank you i've I've been trying really hard i'm getting tutoring um but you know i think the least likely is they drop them both granted we know they have that in them but barring catastrophic injuries or anything probably shouldn't lose them both from there, I'd say, you know, slightly more likely that they go 2-0, maybe. Is that, I mean, recency bias is a hell of a drug. And we just watched a three-game winning streak in which they were pretty dominant. This could all, you know, go topsy-turvy. But I think people are feeling optimistic about this team. No, I agree. I think 2-0 is honestly the most reasonable bet. Um, Minnesota is 1-7 in, in conference play. They won at Minnesota last year. It's not (laughs) – there's not too much to worry about there, I don't think. Again, barring another horrible injury, who knows? Slip on ice going in just in the parking lot. Who even knows at this point? But Ohio State, I think if that game is anything like the Michigan State game on Sunday, and granted this one is on a Saturday night, so you would think probably – Better than a Sunday noon game. We'll see. But um, if the crowd is anything like that, the environment is going to play a huge role. And I'm not trying to diminish anything that Indiana has proven in the last three games, but I think we can all agree that was just a fun building to be in yesterday. It was just very upbeat. And if it's anything like that, I think things are looking pretty good. So I'm... I'm also going to say 2-0. Yeah, the big thing, I'm, I'm kind of doing a little Minnesota scouting um, as we speak. Do, do they have anyone that can stop Trace Jackson Davis? Yeah, that's the thing. When you don't even have a standout player, I, I'm not going to lie. I don't know a single Minnesota player off the top of my head. That's a bit concerning <laughs> if you are tasked with guarding Trace Jackson Davis. So, yeah, that might not end up too well. And, I mean, him. we heard him – at the press conference, say that he doesn't think that anyone in the country can guard him one on right now, one on one right now. Which, if you're Minnesota, maybe you're going, okay, well, can anyone guard him two on one? Um, they do got a little a little tall guy here, and and Dawson Garcia, he's six eleven. Um, but I mean, I I don't know. Like Trace Jackson Davis is playing so hot right now that I I would match him up against a lot of teams in this country and say that it's going to be hard to stop him. Maybe not Arizona, for the record. <laughs> I said like, a lot. I, of, I, just, I said like, a lot of hypoth- teams. Like, look, yeah. If hypothetically IU played Arizona, we don't we don't know what that would look like. Obviously, not in the year twenty twenty three, certainly. But 
Trace might have something weird like like an eleven point stat line and get pretty convincingly beaten by, but we don't know. Yeah, we have no idea. No, what, what's there to know? Okay, yeah, good point. Obviously, I didn't say Arizona. I didn't say I'd put him up against both of the two really tall guys yeah. they have. Yeah, the the combined seventeen feet of Arizona's <laughs> two star centers. Um, kind of an unfair comparison. But one thing I definitely think. Yeah, Trace Jackson Davis could put up 30, but you have to have other people as a score unless you're going to beat Minnesota 30-29. Who do you guys think will have a big game in either of those, Minnesota or Ohio State? Do you guys have one little little pick to click? Yeah, it's going to sound a little obvious, I'm assuming, but Jalen Huchifino not coming – or coming off an iffy game, you know, only two points the other day. But ever since – the North Carolina game, he's looked great in every other game. He had 33 points against Northwestern, new career high for him. He was Big Ten Freshman of the Week a couple of weeks ago. You should read my story about him. You should. Shameless plug for Evan. <laughs> but he's looked solid as opposed to the first few games of non-conference play where it was we were, we were a little bit surprised about how he unperformed underperformed there but I think he's due to have a bounce back game he definitely has it in him um if his shots are falling then things are looking good yeah I think you raise a great point just statistically he should advance back up to something closer to his averages this year which have been great he's the second leading scorer um you love to see Tamar Bates continue his hot streak probably not going to go five of six from three that seems a little unrealistic Trey Galloway also historically streaky uh, one guy I might bring up. Do you guys know off the top of your head who the fifth highest scorer on the team is? If you had to take a guess, I do because I have. I'm literally looking at the yeah. score sheet right in front of me. Someone who has had just one of the worst statistical stretches in recent memory, but is a starter. Of course, we're talking about Miller. Cop. Michael Ship. Oh, oh, <laughs> right. You're looking at a different. Uh, yeah, you're sure you didn't have that set to three point percentage where he's made like one of two. <laughs> uh, he has not taken any. Ah, oh, shoot. Oh, well, they got to get him out there. He's definitely not made one. Um, I think Childress is the only player who's only walk on who's who's ever scored a point at Indiana. Hogan Orbaugh scored Louisville. a three at Louisville. Oh, good for Shout him. out to Hogan Orbaugh's family. I, I tweeted out at the end of that game on again, the Michigan State game that um, all four walk ons got some time, and I, I mentioned that twelve seconds of time mm-hmm. was it? I mentioned yeah, Hogan <laughs> got his first appearance at Indiana, and and Sean Burke got his first. Um, career parent appearance and um that's gotten a few cool. likes and retweets from the orba family so that's pretty you cool guys. you got to build that network you really do yeah. but miller cop is a bit of a not that we need to turn this into a miller cop podcast that's no the last i thing think anyone we need needs. to <laughs> but, i think i would love to turn this into a miller cop podcast yeah i mean i've, I've got like three more hours in me but <laughs> it does feel like He's getting open and not getting the ball a whole lot, but he's contributing defensively. That's how you get minutes in Mike Woodson's system, of course. He's getting minutes anyway because he's a starter. But, you know, it's easy to forget that, like I said, fifth highest score. He is a threat from deep, even if he doesn't always connect. And he had a stretch there going into the new year where he was putting up close to 11 points per game, I think, Um, especially in Indiana's losses when maybe Trace was having a rough outing. He was getting like 14 points per game. He was the second best player at Rutgers. Second best? First best. best? He had 24 points that game. He was definitely the most consequential player for Indiana. Um, He was the team's leading scorer, I think, at Arizona or Kansas maybe. Um, This this feels like revisionist history where I'm trying to paint the picture of Miller Cop as, you know, like a young Michael Jordan. I'm not. (laughs) Well, he also saved the dog that got stuck in the well during the Northwestern game. You're forgetting about that. That's true. That's true. Um, 
and I do think he's ended some some systematic conflicts overseas. So, um, but but no, it he's a starter. He's going to keep getting minutes. He's going to keep getting open. I'm willing to accept a future in which he actually starts looking like a contributor again because he's out there. He's putting in the effort. He's playing genuinely really good defense. Like if you're not watching these games and you're just checking the box score, you're not watching them closely. Indiana's perimeter defense after X went down and then to a lesser extent race, but especially X, it was Garbo. Like Penn State, so bad, just opening so many more shots. But Miller is a guy who can play the perimeter and he has the length to play defense. So he does have a place on this team. And if I think he just kind of blurps back up to even subpar, he can be a really big contributor. No, I that was going to be mine too as well was, was Miller Cop. Um He's second on the team in three-point shooting to Trey Galloway, but he's also taken 40 or so more shots. Um, he's got a little advantage on Tamar Bates, who he's taken four more than. Um, and, yeah, I mean, eventually he's got to have another game where he gets hot. And we've even seen I, – I was looking at a stat sheet recently, and it was like one for one, one for two, one for one, oh for one. Like when he's shooting from deep, he's generally making them. And if – I'm Indiana, knowing that teams are going to start focusing more on Trace Jackson Davis. Um, and if I'm Trace Jackson Davis, I'm going to be trying to find ways to get Miller Cop open and find him with that that last little outlet pass. Um, I think he made one or two of those against Michigan State where he kind of kicked it out one more time and Indiana found that lo- open look. And, and Miller Cop's going to start being on the receiving end of those. So I, I would agree with you, Bradley. I think he's going to have a big game um, sometime this week. And if big is... 10, 15 points, I think a lot of fans will be happy with that as long as it's some some momentum switching threes. Does Minnesota on the road at 9 p.m. not feel like the Miller Cop game of the year? Just like no one's watching no, yeah, it. No one's going to know, but we just you just like, you know, it's too late. You know, some guy just op- wakes up the next morning, checks his phone, he's like, Miller Cop dropped a 30-burger? What? <laughs> Listen, I these two know I could go on and on about Indiana's structural offensive woes, so I won't right now i'll try to keep this short but what i don't like is that there are no quick hitters or any drawn up plays for miller cop when he was shooting nearly 50 percent from three early in the season and i don't think that number has dropped that low and like evan said he's making a good percentage of his shots he's just not taking many at all and i think also from last year to this year he's making more difficult shots a lot of you know fadeaways kind of really quick release shots those are still going in I don't think Miller Cop has looked bad on offense at any point this year and I think that if he gets to the point where he can be in Jalen Hutchifino CJ Gunn's position to kick it into Trace Jackson Davis let the defense collapse and then Jackson Davis kicks it right back out to him. I think he's gonna, he would be able to score a lot from that position. And two times, or one time yesterday, I think um, they hit him on like a double skip pass, and that worked well given the way the defense rotated. But I, I really do think that Miller Cop needs to be a bigger part of what Mike Woodson sets up offensively. But I think that he. I don't think that he's by any means a detrimental presence on offense. Wow, that was really good, guys. Way to, way to devote six minutes to Miller Cop. I enjoyed that. Don't worry, it's not done yet. Um, <laughs> so we didn't really plan this out ahead, but to end, we're going to do a little prediction segment. Um, that doesn't even have to be 
necessarily uh, on court related. So I, I'm going to volunteer to go first with my prediction that Miller Cop does have his breakout game at Minnesota and brings back Cop Talks. Oh Cop my talks. gosh. Oh, oh my, my gosh. Goodness. That's Please. a bold brings assertion. Back, yes. Do you think and, that's what's been holding it back? Yes. Listen, for those of you who don't know, I've been in sorority jail for a couple <laughs> weeks and now I'm back better than ever. Cop Talks have not returned though. And that greatly saddens me to my core because that oh my gosh I can't you can't even explain the pure euphoria of seeing Miller Cop walk in behind you know Trace Jackson Davis in a press conference with his phone out and and it's a bold prediction because this is an away game so it's a lot harder yeah. to do no they haven't done a cop talk outside the state of Indiana the first one was at Gainbridge the rest have been here so. because because it's probably not going to be at a podium it's probably just going to be there in a hallway or in a room and everyone's just is scrummed around them. However, uh, so I think that someone's going to have a, a good game, um, including so two. You're going to have two good games. Obviously, you get two players, uh, Miller Cop and someone else, and Cop is going to give some poor assistant the task of filming the press conference, um, and he's going to drop some some words of wisdom of cooking the chicken or whatever. No, whatever Miller Copism is going to come up in his head. I said this earlier. I'm putting Chimichanga out there. If that happens, I don't know what I'm going to do. But chimichanga, I'm really feeling that one. I think it'll be another phrase. I think it'll be he gave yeah. that one proverb about that was really spiders weird. tangling up lions or whatever. So, yeah, the original, I, the original one I think is when the spiders unite, they can tie up a lion. Yeah, but he said like when the spider webs unite, it was. <laughs> he always says that though. He always. He's says always that. said this. He's right. always said as this. he's always said. So I think I think we're gonna get a a Miller cop uh, trademark proverbial line after a big win next week give me the word it's a proverb i i don't have a proverb i have one in, my in mind this this actually kills two birds with one stone um in my book but have you guys ever heard the phrase if you have to eat a frog do it first thing in the morning no <laughs> I mean, what are you talking about it's a thing it's a thing is this a sorority thing no i was actually taught this is that well because a lot of sorority girls do sound like the most frog-throated I'm sorry. The frat flu is a real thing. You're next. You're look not to dwell on this, but like not to out myself. But I go to classes that have a lot of people that are in fraternities. You just look over. There's some girl in the corner, just like with the crunchiest cough you've ever heard. Anyway, Again, I've been in sorority jail. Would okay? you disagree? No, I completely have been affected by this multiple times. But no, I was first taught this phrase at the IU media school so it's it's not a weird okay. thing no good I do think genuinely I think I've heard that before so you think it's going to be I think I could see that they get out to a slow start right you know. right and you know knocking out frog that's been my number one word for this whole time yeah so. we don't need to get too deep into that I, I think it's going to be orangutan or barbecue that's so simple though barbecue he's already said chicken yeah but he likes dwelling on a lot of these things it's mostly animals and food. Or animals as food. Yeah, we yes. know you know the, the breakdown, Bradley. Yeah, uh, check out Indiana Men's Basketball 2022 Wrapped on IDSnews.com, a real column I wrote in which you can see how Miller Cop delegates his media words, who succeeds the most, and how uh, when Miller Cop was doing the TikToks, if he was doing one, meaning they won, he had a bad game. But if he wasn't doing one, meaning they lost, he had a great game. He's putting up like 14 points a game. But I, I'm kind of with you on Miller Cop having a breakout game here relatively soon. Emma, would you like to go next with your prediction? My prediction that, believe it or not, is also about Miller Cop is 
If he does have a low-scoring game, that stat line is going to result in three points, and those three points will be from a transition dunk and one. Okay. Sure, why Complete not? Complete silence. Sure. We, that, saw, we all we saw what he did dunk. yesterday. We all I'm saw I'm still that. not sure if that happened or if that was just a dream I had. But. Oh, yeah. I woke up this morning. First of all, woke up <laughs> from a... T- <laughs> you wake up and eat a frog. I woke up from a text from Primals Only. Shout out to Miller Cop. Please sponsor this podcast. Primals Only, of course. Miller Cop's retail I brand. Like we're we, need, we really need to stress that the connection between Miller Cop and Primals Only is a retail thing and nothing else. I woke up also not realizing that that had actually happened in real life yesterday. But we all know what he's capable of now. And I think that he could very well do it again at any given moment. Um, and mine is that one of the walk-ons gets teed up. <laughs> like Which one? Literally every... Uh, I don't know if I can narrow it down that much. Chilly. I would love to say Sean. It's chilly, though, <laughs> but, for um, sure. They're, they're getting technicals like another... When, like, the last two games, at least, there's been a tech... Well, um, I, and, and Xavier Johnson got a tech yes, from the bench. So a player who could not even it's suit It's not up. even like they have to come in and play. They could still get a tech. That's what I'm saying. So maybe it's a walk-on, maybe it's an equipment manager, but someone outside of the starting lineup is getting teed up. Outside of the rotational lineup at this point, injured or walk-on, Anthony Leal, anyone? Hey, he's Ooh. neither. I know. Well, okay. Anthony it's, it's, Leal. It is weird. I don't, I don't want to linger on Anthony Leal and, and take up too much t- more time in this podcast, but he was playing a good amount last year, including a he spot started. start against Northwestern, and he is essentially just a, a walk-on this year. So that's, that's strange Whoa, to me. But. Easy. You're talking about Bloomington's finest real estate I know, agent. and... and <laughs> The, the fans love him. Leal estate agent. They sure do. You. No, I, I do mind. Anthony Leal seems, okay. like, seems like a great guy. But paid off his sister student debts. That's really cool. Right. On that note, I'm cutting you two off. That was the first episode of Five Banner Banter, the 2022-23 Indiana Daily Student Men's Basketball Podcast. Uh, I have been Evan Gerke alongside Bradley O'Hulan and Emma Pollitz. We appreciate you listening, and we hope you'll stick around for the rest of the season. And we hope we're sending you podcasts weekly uh, from here on out, at least until the end of March.